Well, it technically is National Signing Day, though it really doesn't feel like it, at least from where I'm sitting today. Am I the only one? I mean, OU did get some good news today. Taylor hit him with the Heim Heim signs at 9.36 a.m. today, so OU does get one signee. But this is not the February 1st that we remember from years past. And we knew that this was going to be the case with the early signing period, but I can't speak for South Carolina after they landed a big five-star today. I can't speak for Colorado after they officially inked Kermani McLean. But just nationwide, this um, it's National Signing Day, Parker, but it doesn't necessarily feel like it in all corners of the I country. I mean, that's, that's how you know you got literally nothing else going on mm. today, Tyler, when you make note of the exact time that Taylor Himes signing You're welcome. became official at You're the welcome. University of Oklahoma. So, yeah, it's it's clearly been a very lazy day at the office for you and for all of us because, no, there is really nothing happening. The Sooners added one signee in Taylor Heim, a guy that really from the second he got the offer, it was pretty clear that Oklahoma was the team to beat. He committed a week later. A very straightforward, uh, very open and shut recruitment to close out the cycle for Oklahoma in the class of 2023. And you get to sit here and just be immune from all of the chaos, which to a certain extent it's boring, but to a certain extent it's also very very nice. No, we got enough of the chaos this last cycle, okay? Got enough of the chaos. We got enough of the chaos just alone, Parker, on the first National Signing Day. The chaos that we saw National Signing Day and then the day after was enough chaos for an entire calendar year. So I'm good just to sit back and relax and look at Taylor Heim as the only signee today. By the way, there's a thread on the Alabama message board this morning entitled, Is Ted Roof Available for D.C.? (laughs) Whoa! Alabama is going to single-handedly change the perception (laughs) of OU, every OU assistant before we hit the season. You know, oh, man, because I think there were some people that thought, huh, maybe Jeff Levy isn't all that bad. Maybe he's pretty good if Nick Saban is pursuing him this aggressively. And maybe just maybe some fans start to change their mind or think differently on Ted Roof by the time it's all said and done. Ted Roof's still hanging around. Yeah, he is. There were those that thought he was not going to make it through year one as OU's DC. But as of February, he is still the D.C., at the University of Oklahoma. Make of that what you will. You uh, you mentioned uh, just a minute ago that it was a lazy day at the office for me. Uh-huh. Uh, for the most part, however, I fell down the rabbit hole of oh the 2006 OU recruiting rankings. And, buddy, what I found was uh, pretty incredible. I-, I put out on our Twitter page earlier today, 17 years ago today, that um, – that Gerald McCoy signed with OU. And then I started looking at that 2006 class, and, dude, that's about as deep of a class as you're going to find from OU. I mean, just in that 06 class, we're talking about Gerald McCoy, Sam Bradford, DeMarco Murray, Trent Williams, and Jermaine Gresham. And that's not even mentioning Quentin Carter, who was an All-American in 2010. But just those five guys, they're going to eclipse half a billion dollars in career earnings. Uh, one Heisman, four All-Americans, four first-rounders, four Pro Bowlers in there. I, I found myself for about 30 minutes today just looking at that 06 class saying, this has to be one of Stoops' best classes uh, ever. Yeah, can we pick a similar five from the 2017 class? Because that one was pretty great, too. CeeDee Lamb. Yeah. Creed Humphrey. Okay. Um, Kenneth Murray. Yeah. 
kind of splitting hairs between a whole bunch of guys at that point. Those are kind of the three that stand out yeah, right but now. That five right there in 06, woo! Yeah. And you also had some, like Moses Madu, really good player at OU, right? Very good. Uh, I mentioned Quentin Carter already. Um, Chris Brown was a good running back here. So I don't know if we want to have the conversation today of best class in the Stoops era, but that 06 class, Dominique Franks was in there. They're, they're going to have a claim uh, right there at the top. Jeremy Beal was in that class. Jeez. This is what we call hit rate, ladies and gentlemen. Go back and look at that 2006 class. The hit rate that you did not get with a lot of those mule shoe classes, uh, you got that with the 06 class for sure. Okay, here's how I'm rounding out my 2017 class if I had to pick a top five. Uh, Marquise Brown. Okay. Forgot that he was yeah. a member of that class as a JUCO player. And then for number five, who would you rather have? Isaiah Thomas or Kennedy Brooks? I'm leaning toward Kennedy Brooks. Um, yeah, I would lean towards Kennedy Brooks. Sure. Okay. Yeah. That's that's pretty that's a pretty solid five though. Uh huh. Then you got a whole bunch of other NFL guys further down the list. Trey Brown, Trey Norwood, Grant Calcaterra. A lot of those guys panned out. What class was Rufus Alexander, says the text line. I think you're looking at like... 2003, I think. Well, he was a full-time starter in 2004. So was it like to the 2002 class for Rufus, maybe? I don't know, text line. Uh, look that up. Quentin Carter was an All-American. Shocking, TBH. How about the disrespect there? Jeez, yes. Quentin Carter in 2010 was an All-American. I don't think that he was a unanimous All-American, but he was an, an All-American in 2010. Uh, 785, I remember Jermaine Gresham coming down to the wire between OU and Miami, I think. I don't remember who uh, Jermaine Gresham's final two was. I believe that listener is correct. OU and Miami? Jermaine, uh, I believe it was OU and Miami. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You all have maybe had this conversation in the past, but in your opinion, is Adrian Peterson a Hall of Fame running back? Yes. Am I missing something here? What? Yeah, uh, you're talking is about that the, a debate? You're talking about the Adrian Peterson for OU and not the Adrian Peterson from Georgia Southern, correct? Isn't that where the other Adrian Peterson played? I think he played at Georgia Southern. Yeah, sure. There's, the Adrian Peterson from the University of Oklahoma. Yeah, me thinks that he is a, honestly he, he is a Hall of Famer. Honestly, Georgia Southern Adrian Peterson might be a Hall of Famer simply by virtue of the fact that he shares a name with Adrian. Peterson. <laughs> yeah, he might get. Yeah, he might get into. He'll at least be at the ceremony, right? Uh, greatest recruiting class ever for OU is 2006. Alabama OC Demarco Murray. Uh, what's the word on Bronco Mendenhall? I'm not hearing any words on Bronco Mendenhall. No, that's never been anything more than a rumor. Literally. Yeah, I, I haven't even heard anyone say, like, that was a possibility or they kicked the tires on that. And we heard about that for the first time, like, two months ago. I, I don't, as of right now, I don't think that there's anything there. There hasn't been anything there. Yeah. And until there is something there, it's not something that we're going to address because, you know, if we addressed every single rumor that made the rounds on message boards and elsewhere, we would we'd never be hurt here. for content. Well, we would never hear for content. We'd also be sitting here talking about the potential fit for Ted Roof as Alabama's <laughs> defensive coordinator. Uh, that's a wild. That's a wild topic that I am ready to explore in the coming weeks if it ever uh, if it ever gets there. 405-651-3439. Hit us up on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. So I uh, ran down the final rankings of all of the schools in the Big 12, including the new ones. Here's what we got. Texas at 3, OU at 4, TCU at 19, Tech at 26, K-State at 32, Baylor at 34, Iowa State at 36, 
West Virginia at 47, Oklahoma State at 54, Houston at 55, UCF at 57, BYU at 66, KU at 72, and Cincinnati at 77. Now currently, or at least next year, there will be 14 teams in the Big 12 on the football side. And I don't know if this is necessarily going to surprise anyone, Parker, but I combine OU and Texas uh, four and five stars versus the rest of the conference, and four and five stars combined, OU had 34. Uh-huh. Texas had four four-stars, 13 uh, – excuse me, four five-stars, 13 four-stars. OU had three five-stars, 14 four-stars, 34. Uh-huh. Um, the rest of the Big 12 combined, just 31 altogether. OU and Texas had more combined five and four-stars than the rest of the league did. All the other Are you counting teams. the new Big 12 teams? Yeah, I am counting the new Big 12 teams, yes. Wow. Okay. And, of course, none of those schools had any five-stars, but – um, like TCU had nine four stars, Tech had five, K State had three. Still, they don't get to where OU and Texas were at. So this league, as a just kind of a recruiting power, it's gonna. It is not going to stack up to the SEC and the Big Ten once OU and Texas leave. Now we'll we'll see what kind of league the Big Twelve is after OU and Texas leave. But in terms of a uh, Recruiting power, the Big 12 will not be considered a recruiting power. I'll, I'll be very intrigued to see who emerges as like the cream of the crop in the new Big 12 post-Oklahoma and Texas. Because you can make a compelling case for, I would say, five or six different schools. It's just going to become a matter of who has the stability and who has the momentum at that point. Yeah, I'd be very surprised if any of the new Big 12, if any of those teams are re- recruiting regularly in the top 10 and maybe even in the top 15. I think you'll see times where, you know, what TCU sneaks in the top 15, but like a year in and year out, I, I don't know if you're going to see a Big 12 team moving forward. Hey, by the way, speaking of Alabama and coordinators, yes. now, there, now there's noise that they're going after Kendall Bryles. Jeez, are they just going after Gosh, everyone? We're, we're going to have to deal with several weeks of Michael Hawkins to Alabama. Oh, boy. Which, I, I to be fair, if Kendall Bryles did go to Alabama – Bama would become a very serious player for Michael Hawkins. Sure. But. Yeah. Is this? Um. I don't. Th- I don't feel like we've seen an Alabama coordinator search go like this uh, previously. No. Normally they kind of quietly get their two guys and they're on their way, but they're uh, they're striking out, man. Well, they tried for Jeff Lebby, didn't get him. They tried for Ryan Grubb, didn't get him. I mean, it, at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter because. Nick Saban could hire you and I as his coordinators, and Alabama would win 12 games again next year. I mean, but, with me, they'd probably win 14 or 15, but fair point, yeah. But, in essence, whoever Alabama has as their coordinators in the grand scheme of things does not matter a whole heck of a lot because it's Saban's program and Saban's vision. But, yeah, it is weird that we're sitting here and January has turned into February, and Alabama is – still looking to hire not just for one coordinator position, but both. Yeah. Are you kidding me, says Oklahoma Jones. AD is no doubt a Hall of Famer. Who was that dude? Closet Mike Gundy. Uh, 918, this league sucks. Say it, Tyler. This league sucks, which is why we're leaving it. Okay, I'll say it. This league sucks. Yeah, sure. Uh, Oh, to have a memory like you two. Jeez, y'all are great. Keep up the good work. This is all I'm good for. That's yeah, pretty thing. much. It's all I'm good for. Like, my wife will tell me three times throughout the week what we have coming up on the weekend, and still it's Friday morning. I'm like, hey, what did you say? I know you said it like every day this week. Like, what are our plans this weekend? But what is it again? 
But by God, I'll remember that 2006 OU recruiting class. Yeah, well, and like I, I said I yesterday, remember that one. All, the, all the space in my brain that used to re- be reserved for things like geography and world history have now been replaced with useless factoids <laughs> about recruiting from years gone by. Uh, yeah, where Dylan Edwards' first ever official visit was at, uh, when he was an OU lean, when it started shifting towards Kansas State, it eventually got to Notre Dame, then Colorado. Yes, things like that. Things like that that absolutely do not matter. His first official visit was Nebraska, as I recall. Oh, wow. Nice job. Nice pull. See, you're just proving the point. Yeah. 405-651-3439 is the Air Coverage Solutions text line. A lot to get to on the text line. Muleshoe Jr. made an interesting comment about his current situation at Clemson. And we'll take a look at the big storylines going on on National Signing Day. Keep it locked right here on The Ref. We're the Homeless Sooner fans. What up, Ref Army? You're listening nationwide once again today. As always, we appreciate that. K-R-E-F in the App Store to download our free app. Brandon, Mississippi is tuned in. Avon, Massachusetts. Overland Park, Kansas, Littleton, Colorado, Mesa, Arizona. Small Oklahoma town of the day. Is it Holbert, Oklahoma? H-U-L-B-E-R-T? Holbert, Oklahoma. Probably about the only way you could pronounce it. Like yeah, we'll, Hubert, go with, uh, we'll go with Holbert. Yeah, Holbert sounds, Holbert sounds good. Shane in Newcastle says, for no reason at all, can you both say the word cattywampus? Cattywampus. Cattywampus. There you go. Did you get what you came for? Uh, I think so. Uh, hopefully. Hopefully Sugar Shane got what he came for. Percentage chance this past OU class replaces the 06 class. Look, I am very high on this recruiting class. But again, we're talking about four first-round picks, um, four different players that made Pro Bowls, like Trent Williams and Gerald McCoy made multiple Pro Bowls, uh, over half a billion dollars in career earnings, a Heisman Trophy, it's going to be really tough for any class to live up to that 06 class. So I, I would say less than 25% most likely. But this class, hey, this class has a chance to be one of the best you've had in the past 30 years. It is like the highest ranked class you've had, or at least one of them in the past 30 years. It'll have a chance to be great. It'll have a chance to be the cornerstone class for you to start to thir- turn things around and maybe win your next national championship. Yeah, no, I, I really do feel like this has the opportunity to be a transformative class for Oklahoma. And to me, a lot of it, I think, is going to come down to the guys that probably don't get talked about enough just because they're those mid-tier four-star guys, but it's those types of guys that you got to build your program around because, yeah, you're going to get a five-star every now and then, and generally those are the types of guys that are going to be can't-miss prospects. I mean, let's call it like it is. P.J. Adabare is a can't-miss prospect. Peyton Bowen is a can't-miss prospect. Barring injury or off-field issues, the latter of which I do not foresee being an issue for either of those two guys, they're going to be superstars. But what are you going to get long-term out of guys like Sammy Omasigo? Makari Vickers, Josiah Wagner, Caden Green, Keon Brown. The difference between those guys being all-conference guys their senior year and being all-American guys a couple years in a row, that's going to be the difference between this class being remembered as a good one and this class being remembered as a good one. Well, you recruited in the range of Alabama and Georgia this cycle. Now, the difference is they'll get players like the players you have in this class, but they develop them. So I think that that's what you're saying is 
your top your top players, you, you, you think that they're going to be stars, and I would agree with that. It's all about how you develop the rest of the class. And, yeah, man, 100%. I mean, that that's it. And also, I think a factor could be, do you have any sort of a hit rates with all of these preferred walk-ons that you're bringing in? Is Drew, Drew Batts, an offensive lineman from Turpin, does he turn out to be a starter for you at some point? Does Kale Fugate um, does does he does he get bigger, faster, stronger? Does he contribute for you? Like that can also help out this class as well. Some yeah. of these preferred walk-ons. And, and one thing you can count on is that there will be a three-star. I don't know who, but there will be at least one three-star out of this class because there there always is at least one that massively exceeds expectations. Whether that's Taylor Wine or Heath Ozida or Champ Sanders or Cade McIntyre or Oklahoma's own Taylor Heim. Right? There's always going to be one that becomes much more of a distinguished football player than anybody would anticipate a three-star becoming. Uh, let's see, Brian Tulsa. I mean, the hit rate of that class, Quentin Carter had some of the best hits, LOL. Yeah. I saw that Michigan State – Picked up some more crystal balls for David Stone, and they offered his friend from Westmore. Should OU fans be worried? No, because it's going to be very hard for Michael Patterson-McDonald to end up anywhere but Oklahoma. And also, as I've said from the get-go, and as many have said from the jump regarding David Stone, regardless of how much Michigan State smoke you see generated, Oklahoma is still always going to be in the best position here, and it's going to take a lot for any program to overcome the natural advantage that Oklahoma has there. By the way, we're hearing that uh, Holbert is the worst speed trap in Oklahoma. Go slow. Really? Now that is a summer topic, the worst speed traps in the state of Oklahoma. I would offer you up Verdon, Oklahoma, where I went to high school, as one of the worst speed traps. Heck, I went to high school there, and even I got uh, in the speed trap one time. Even I got pulled over and got a ticket. But, yeah, to store that one away for June and July when we have nothing else to talk about. The worst speed traps in Oklahoma. The state of Kansas is one giant speed <laughs> yeah, trap. Seriously, yes. I've gotten pulled over so many times in the state of Kansas. Many more times than I've ever been pulled over anywhere else. Uh, some national things uh, for this national signing day. I guess the biggest thing is that Nicholas Harbor uh, picks South Carolina. That Girlfriends is a- remain undefeated yes they do and that is a huge win for Shane Beamer 13 signees ranked four stars or higher in this class for South Carolina the most in school history look at what Shane Beamer is doing a program that was in bad shape when he took over a division where Georgia is the king of college football right now Tennessee is making a charge. We'll see what happens to Florida. Kentucky is having some of its most consistent years in program history. And yet Shane Beamer is, he's got South Carolina on the up and up. He's doing a hell of a job out there. South Carolina is going to be good, good in a couple years, I would wager. As long as Beamer sticks around and he maintains continuity on his coaching staff and the talent keeps coming, which there's no reason why it shouldn't, South Carolina is going to be one of those programs where you could see them move into the second tier in the SEC, I would say within two seasons. Now, the first tier is always going to be Alabama, Georgia, and LSU. At least that's what it's been in recent history. But those teams in the second tier, i.e. Florida, Tennessee, Auburn, Kentucky even, as of late, those are all programs that any given year can pop off and win 10 or 11 games. Yeah. I I just I wonder if – South Carolina's roads get about to get a lot tougher because 
there's about to be no divisions in the SEC, correct? I think OU and Texas are going to be in that conference in 2024, and I believe the plan is to not have any divisions whatsoever. So does that make it more difficult for South Carolina and Shane Beamer to make an SEC championship? Well, it makes it easier to get to the college football playoff now with a 12-team playoff, but that's a school that's going to be interesting to watch to see what they do the next five years. Honestly, I think the expanded college football playoff is going to de-emphasize the importance of getting to an SEC championship because the SEC is only going to have one auto bid for the SEC champion. But we know, right, we know for a fact there are going to be at least three or four SEC teams in the college football playoff every single year. Yeah, three or four in the top five. (laughs) In some cases, there may be five or six in the field. So the SEC is is going to continue to dominate the upper echelon across college football barring some sort of seismic shift in the dynamic that I just do not uh, see on the horizon. Jaden Rashada to Arizona State. That's uh, another big storyline today. I mean, by now you know what happened with Florida. Like, I feel bad for that kid, man. You think he, you think he got drugged along? Him. Like His name is always, more, more than likely, unless he goes to Arizona State and lights it up, and maybe he does, but more than likely when people think of Jaden Rashada's name in 10 years, they're probably going to think about what's happened over the past few weeks. Exactly. And that stinks. This is something that is always going to be associated with his name, and it's unfortunate because he was not the one hemming and hawing over the dollar amounts with the University of Florida. Jaden Rashada, I know this for a fact. Hmm. I've spent a lot of time around Jaden Rashada the last year. Jaden Rashada wanted to be at Florida. That is where he wanted to play football. The money did not matter to him. He wanted to be a Gator. Now he ends up at Arizona State, a program under a first-year head coach in Kenny Dillingham, at which he's probably going to have an opportunity to start right off the bat, but where you have to wonder if he's ever going to be as happy with the path that has been laid out for him as he would have been uh, if those around him had just been willing to let him go play at Florida. Um, what's the deal with this Muleshoe Jr. comment? He said his communication with Dabo all happened after the national championship game, took a couple of days to think it over with his wife, and then it moved very, very quickly from there. So we got another Riley saying, like, I, you know, I just, it just, you know, the first time we met was after the last game, and, Things just move rather quickly. I, I, I don't know. A couple of days is the new couple of hours. Took a couple of days to sleep on it. Took a couple of hours to sleep on it. It's like they had... Honestly, like Scott, the, it's the first time publicist. I talked to USC, I hopped on a Zoom with them and everything moved pretty quickly. And that's, that's just... Honestly, Scott, that's just how it happened. It's just like Lincoln and Garrett have the same publicist. And the publicist was like, hmm, let me take what I laid out for Lincoln a couple years back. Let me just change this up a little bit and give the same script again. The Mule Shoe Blueprint is what it is. Uh-huh. Take a new job, say it came together very, very quickly. Yeah. Interesting comment there from Mule Shoe Jr., but not surprising in the least. Not surprising at all. Uh, we got uh, Travis actually in studio today. Real quick, everyone's got an opinion on the worst speed trap. Union City is the worst speed trap in Oklahoma. Uh, I can't read the rest of that. Worst speed trap in Oklahoma is Tushka. Le Dover got pulled over for three miles an hour in a 25 zone on New Year's Eve, 10 miles north of Kingfisher. 
Verdon, Oklahoma, worst speed trap for sure, and I'm a reserve police officer there. Thank you, Brant B. Yes. Verdon is a speed trap. Asher is also. Good. I'm glad the hometown is getting some recognition today as a uh, one of the best or worst, whatever you call it, speed traps in the state. That's great. Valley Brook, some of you will know about that. Worst speed trap in Oklahoma. Uh, Atoka and Colgate are the champion speed traps of Oklahoma. I wonder as a state, Parker, where Oklahoma would rank in terms of speed traps per capita. Are we the Georgia of college football recruiting in at the top every single year, or near the top every single year? I feel like everybody would say that about their home state. I feel like everybody just has their natural bent toward their home state and say, yeah, my state's the worst for speed traps. You could get pulled over anywhere. Um, By the way, a little nugget that you didn't ask for, but you're going to get it anyway. Been listening to a lot of Denver sports radio over the past few days. Um, really? Well, I there's a station up there that I actually think is really good. I, I like to pick ideas off of them. Anyway, they have the line, Parker, that Jim Harbaugh wanted the Broncos job a lot more than the Broncos wanted Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh That's... was really pushing for that job. Really, really pushing for that job. More than people are leading on. And that's not the first I've heard of that sentiment. In fact, I'd, I, I heard that weeks ago. So, I listen, I do not know enough people in NFL circles to know how valid that is. But all I'm saying is that's been the buzz that's been making the rounds for weeks now. Feels pretty obvious where his heart is, and his Which heart is, is in, not in the, at the NFL. University of Michigan. And at some point, like he's he's going to need to stop with the flirtation or just get one of these NFL jobs. I don't think that he's going to be at Michigan in, in three years. I think that he's probably going to have an NFL job somewhere. It's obviously where he wants to be. I don't know though. He's actually got to get a job offer from one of these NFL jobs though. You know. He had the, the Minnesota Vi- job last year if he wanted it. The Vikings deal, and the Broncos took Sean Payton over him. Like, okay. Jim, I mean, you keep flirting uh, every single offseason now. I have no doubt that at the uh, at the top of the hour, you'll be able to get Travis Davidson's full take on how far the Vikings would have gone oh, in nice. the NFC postseason this year had Jim Harbaugh been the head coach. Well, he joins us in studio next. We'll uh, catch up with Girl Boy himself on the other side. Keep it locked on the ref. Locked in with McComas Thune. And it's Wednesday at 2.35, so it must be Davidson as well. And I can confirm that Davidson is here because he's got about half the flavors of LaCroix in a can uh, sitting next to me right now. Hey, that's right. That's right. I'm a, I'm a LaCroix guy. I'm a LaCroix guy. you gotta stay, got to stay hydrated. I, I, I put up a, a poll on Twitter. Uh, I was just curious of how many ounces people drink of water daily on average. And the 0 to 40 ounce uh vote w- was uh, alarming huh. uh-oh drink your water drink your water yeah. folks. come on oklahoma get hydrated I get it together i can't decide if i think parker is a Lacroix guy or not i'm gonna lean towards no yeah, you would be correct okay you would be correct because not i feel like 80 percent of the beverages you consume are in your car and i just don't feel like you think Lacroix is a perfect road trip beverage is that an accurate i'm just here's the thing I'm out on LaCroix because if I'm drinking something carbonated, I expect some sweetness. You know, like if I'm going to drink water, I prefer water of the still variety. If I'm just drinking water, 
And I throw back a sip, and there's bubbles. It weirds me out. Like, what's going on here? I feel like LaCroix really stepped up their flavor game recently. I didn't used to be a LaCroix guy. You know, they kind of got their stuff together, and now I am a LaCroix guy. But people get hydrated. Uh, Tom Herman, you know, hydrate like a champion. Uh, you need to, you know, be able to look at that chart and uh, and feel good about be yourself. Be a good teammate. That's be, right. Be a good teammate, The P chart that Texas used to have out there. <laughs> uh, Tulsa Day, Travis is here. Tulsa Day is September 15th, for all of you that didn't hear about it yesterday. OU's playing at Tulsa. So the Friday before the OU-Tulsa game, we're coming back to the 918 for Tulsa Day. That should be uh, should be an awesome weekend. Should be an awesome weekend. Um, protect Tattoo Baker at all costs at this point. I think I would take a bullet for Tattoo Baker because he was fooling everyone two days ago with the release of the OU schedule, including a local radio station here in the Oklahoma market. Protect this man, please. And he also got Paul Feinbaum with the uh, Baker Mayfield video as well. He so got, he got three-year Letterman. Man. He got three-year Letterman Did with he? it. Yeah, man, Great. he's 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 been he's been on fire. Lately. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's great. Um, what's up with Nick Jackson? Parker, is there is there anything? Has he committed elsewhere to this point? Nick- he has not committed elsewhere, and he has gone radio silent on everybody by design until he makes a decision. Now, I know that that right now is a battle between Oklahoma and Iowa. Those are the two schools that are doing battle with one another for Nick Jackson. So, I I wish I could provide more color there. I really can't just because he's been so intentionally quiet about it. But I'd be surprised right now if he doesn't land at Oklahoma or at Iowa. Yeah. So Nick Jackson, in case you haven't, he's he's a transfer portal guy. Does he have one year of eligibility remaining? One year. Yep. Yeah, and he's like um, like on the top ten of Virginia's all time leading tacklers. I think like he he's a good player, and he's I mean statistically, I mean he looks like he's a really good player at least. I'm wondering. Like what? What's going to be the big difference maker, Travis, between OU and Iowa? I mean, OU is a better program than Iowa, but is he a for sure starter at OU? Is he a for sure starter at Iowa? The fact that it's gone radio silent makes me—I don't know—it's kind of fascinating of what's going to happen in the next two weeks. Yeah, I—I think, I think, I think the radio silent part is a good litmus test on just how you are as a fan. Uh, and how you look at recruiting, things like that. If you think that going radio silent for both Iowa and Oklahoma is bad news for Oklahoma, then you might be on the pessimist side. You know, if you think it's, you know, gone radio silent for both, uh, you know, could be an optimist side. Who knows? But here's my thing. I think what puts you in a position to get uh, a a guy like this is Desan McCullough's um, versatility. He he can play any of the three levels, and you can bring in a guy like Nick Jackson – who can start at linebacker and you know get a lot of reps, a lot of playing time, even if not starting. I think he finishes games for you, and that's kind of that's an important part too. But I think McCullough can play anywhere, and I think that's what gives you the opportunity and the flexibility to bring him in. And I think the fact that Oklahoma hasn't really pushed for a transfer linebacker, the fact that we're sitting here having this conversation about Nick Jackson, it kind of feels like he's a luxury at sure. this point not really a guy that the staff feels like they need but a guy that they would take if they can get him i think that speaks to a great degree of confidence that oklahoma has in a shane witter i think that goes understated because everybody kind of expects deshaun mccullough jaron canick and danny stutzman to be your three three starting linebackers but 
I feel like that speaks the reality that OU's confident in Shane Witter to be a guy that can spell any of those three coming off the bench. And I also think it speaks to a lot of confidence in the newcomers, Lewis Carter, Sammy Omasigo, Phil Pachotti, and the belief that those guys are going to be ready to play and ready to contribute right off the bat. Because I think if you're in a situation where you only have six scholarship linebackers that you're planning on playing, i.e. Stutzman, Kanick, McCullough, Witter, Kip Lewis, Kobe McKenzie, then it would have makes it would have made sense to push for a guy like Nick Jackson long ago. Yeah. But I think that's the OU staff in essence very subtly communicating, hey, we think Samuel Masigo and Lewis Carter and Phil Pachotti all have the chance to play immediately. We've got some Taylor Heim questions on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Lone signee today for OU on National Signing Day. Um, notable accolades from 2022. I got this from uh, OUinsider.com. He played in all three phases as a senior, and look how like split it is across the board. 65 tackles and six interceptions on defense. Nice year. 838 yards as a quarterback. He threw for 838 yards and 11 touchdowns. He also rushed for 608 yards and six touchdowns, 6.8 yards per carry. He also had 19 receptions for 230, uh, 243 yards and four touchdowns. He's a basketball player, competed in track and field, won the Oklahoma 4A uh, long jump, state champ as a junior. Like This kid literally does everything at Bethany High School. They threw it to him. They let him throw it. He, t- he made tackles. He had interceptions. He ran the ball. It's just, yeah, here, man, here's the ball. Go, go do something with it. Yeah, and it feels like, again, you, you ask a guy like that, you know what position he plays or anything he's just a football player I play football and when you have that type of versatility like you said state champion in the long jump basketball player like you have that type of athletic versatility with that type of body you get him with Schmitty and just see what happens I think a lot of times and we kind of talk about I know we were talking about uh, preferred walk-ons earlier I know I know he's a scholarship player yeah but you know, Parker pointed out with Steely, you got to look at the frame. Look at the frame on a lot of these guys, and and then you can see what you have to work with um, and what they can grow into. Heim's frame is fantastic, and you know, there's oh, you know, I think his Twitter says six five. I think his profile says six three. So we'll have to yeah, wait. That's a, that was a fight today. <laughs> we'll Steely to, got agitated. We'll have to uh, find where the measurements come in. I don't know if uh, we've had. Uh, a measurement uh, like this since Kyler Murray's combine measurement. <laughs> I think everybody was waiting on that. But whatever Taylor Heim uh, ends up being, I think he's got the frame to be built out. I am one of those that just, due to experience with this type of deal in the past, I lean towards the shorter end of the spectrum anytime there's debate about what a guy's height is. Because you remember when everybody said Jordan Mukes was six foot four, yes, coming out of high school, he gets to OU, they list him at six one on the spring roster. It's like, okay, well, clearly that was overstated. So. I'd rather be an inch short than an inch too high on a guy didn't, like that. Didn't Kevin Durant say he was like 6'9 for like the first three or four years of his well, career? Well, I remember the, this, the intro, 6'9 from right. Texas. <laughs> That's how they introduced him. No I way. was uh, listed as 6'3 in the uh, Grady County Tournament program my senior year. Yeah. Uh, you have seen me multiple times. Both of you have. Six I am three? not 6'3". Six no. They're really anywhere close to 6'3". No. So. But it felt three. good to be listed at 6'3". Those yeah, Nike yeah, yeah, shocks yeah. on, yeah. man. Those Nike shocks, man, they'll give you a little lift. The other team's like, God, they must have got to move in last week or something. 6'3"? <laughs> they don't have a guy that looks like that. 6'3". Um, OU is currently the number four recruiting class. I mean, literally by the slimmest of margins. 289.07. Ohio State is 289.05. 
Is Ohio State going to add some random three-star <laughs> just so they can jump up to the number four class? Or I don't believe so. Is OU going to end this thing as a number four class? You also have to keep in mind OU has a bit of a larger margin there than you realize because that composite score doesn't factor in Andrew Heinig, ah. the three-star preferred walk-on out of Glenpool, Oklahoma, because he's not on scholarship. But if you add in – if you punched him into the class calculator, uh, his ranking – will affect Oklahoma's composite score. I don't know what exactly it would come out to, but I'll give you a little bit more of a cushion on Ohio State. Just to take a little bit of a peek to 2024, I know this is signing day part two. Uh, I guess one of the guys that on three has uh, Nigel Smith, whatever they have, forecasted or prediction to Oklahoma. So OU is um, – there, there's some nice predictions, Parker, that have already rolled in for OU in the 2024 class. I, I know that you've made a couple of those. Um, but the 24 class looks like it can be another potentially a top five class for OU. You get David Stone, you get some of these bigger targets. I think we could be sitting here in a year's time and talking about another top five class if everything comes together. Absolutely. I think I feel like we should be sitting here talking about another top five class at this time next year, just based on how many elite targets Oklahoma is already trending so nicely for, because we've mentioned it many times, regardless of what the defensive line hall looks like, it's going to be really dang good. I would say Nigel Smith and Zadavian Sims right now are probably the two guys that I, – I don't know if you can pencil them into the class yet, but – well, I should say this. I don't know if you can Sharpie them into the class. Mm. I think you can mm. pencil them into uh, the class. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, look at this guy. Well, uh-huh. and Nigel Smith uh, came on, uh, I believe it was the spring game, post-game show with us last year, yeah. I believe. Yeah, yeah. he did. Yep. Yeah. So Nigel came on, so he's been – in Norman a ton and dating back for a while now. He was loving it. He had conversations with Brent Venables that day uh, when he came down. So he Nigel Smith for a long time. I've been talking with Parker about Should've it for a long time. Should have just dropped the crystal ball that Should've. day, Should have. Exactly. Hey, man, if 247 ever uh, makes the mistake of giving me the ability to drop crystal balls, I would have I made it happen. But <laughs> I'll tell you what, with that class, you know, it's interesting. You say, if you get David Stone then you you know we should be talking about you know a top 5 class. Well I mean look at you could kind of compare it to this year's David Hicks, right? I mean yes, we didn't get David Hicks, but That's I true. think we would have said if you get David Hicks, uh, yeah. you have an opportunity yeah. to have a top 5 class. Well, David Hicks, not, this isn't breaking news, he's not coming to OU, he's going to A&M and yet we still sit there inside the top 5. So I think when you look at the 2024 class I still think Stone ends up a sooner, don't get me wrong, but I do think that even if he uh, goes up with Mel Tucker, we can still get a top-five class. Yeah, good point. Um, has anyone that's appeared on the KREF pre- or post-game show gone anywhere other than OU? Do we have a perfect record as of right now? Heath Ozida, yes. Yep. Jackson Arnold, duh, even though he was apparently on flip watch three months ago by some. I think we got a perfect record so far. So We're Nigel Smith, let's okay. go, man. Make it happen. Be a pretty good little stat to have. 405-651-3439. We'll get to more of your text on the other side, right here on The Ref. Fellas, I got bad news via the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Oh, no. Uh, I don't even even want to tease. What what is it? A listener in the 405 has reported to us. (laughs) Sources have confirmed. David Stone is a 100% lock with Michigan State. Dang it. There's a lot of work to do. Well, if if he's 100% lock, then there's no work to do. We might as well just give up now. Hmm. So just don't talk about David Stone again? Hey, that's fine with me. It's fine with me (laughs) until June. (laughs) Yeah, Parker's like, please, please, let's not. 
405. I mean, guys, isn't it a bad thing for the direction of this program if we're not in the top five? Honestly, we should be top three. Just seems like the bar for BV has been set after six and seven. If we go 10 and two, you would be correct to assume a top three class. Anyone agree with that? I think there's some validity to expectations, right? But you're you're almost automatically like Georgia is already just murdering the 2024 cycle. I think they got another five star today, like or or maybe even two of them. So with that, like, and and I know we've got to out recruit these guys to compete with them on the field. There's no doubt about that. But I do think the texter does raise a good point that if you play really well, if you go ten and two. It's going to you're going to get a lot of buy-in, and you're going to get an SEC bump at some point, right? And you're going to get a lot of buy-in from those guys, right? You're going to say, okay, cool. Now we've seen, you know, what it's like to get their guys in because the more percentage of the roster that becomes BV's guys over the previous staff's guys, you're going to have those expectations. So, uh, top five. I mean, we can we can always point to the Clemson classes that won two national titles. Uh, while Brent Venables was on staff and spearheading their defensive recruitment, yes, they won those national titles, but that's not really – those are the exceptions, not the rule. Yeah, uh, 2024 will be an interesting cycle. Defensive linemen, got to get a few of these defensive linemen. Yes. There, there's enough that you're in on to where uh, – and I know you got some legit defensive linemen in this class, but in 2024 you're in a really good situation to pull uh, – some top-rated defensive linemen, that's for sure. Hey, did we ever figure out what uh, Dylan Gabriel's tweet was all about a few nights ago that everyone was, was worried about? There was a tweet people were worried about. I must have missed yeah, that. Yeah, did you did you see that one, Travis? Yeah, I, I think most of the worry was, well, why didn't he tag Jackson Arnold? He tagged General Booty and Davis Bevel, and I, it's an inside joke, I'm sure. No, Nothing to worry about, guys. Yeah, there's beef between Jackson Arnold and Dylan Gabriel. Oh yeah, yeah. We're about to have an old-fashioned Western standoff between those two. Alabama will finish with the number one overall recruiting class, and it looks like they're going to end up with the third best class of all time. Nick Saban's not dead. He just can't and find a coordinator. Third That's best. All. And, oh, he's slipping. Yeah, and all his guys aren't transferring a year from now, like A and M's. Good point. All right. Travis and myself, we got you on the rush. Coming up next, keep it locked on the ref.